0: Have you ever received a piece of bad advice? (laughs) I I, I saw where uh, Jimmy Fallon several years ago uh, asked his social media followers for any pieces of bad advice they had received over the years. And uh, there were a few that stood out to me. One person wrote, my dad told me once that a broken escalator was voice activated. I spent 10 minutes yelling, go up, before he told me it was broken. <laughs> One person said, my first time eating sushi, my good friend told me to take that green stuff and spread it all over because it would make it taste better. <laughs> Someone said, as a kid, after I got dizzy from spinning around, my big brother told me, just spin the other direction and cancel it out. And then maybe my favorite, one person said, when too embarrassed to go potty behind the bushes, my mom said, close your eyes and you won't know who saw you. <laughs> <laughs> well, I don't know what kind of bad advice that you've received over the years, but uh, today we're kicking off a new teaching series called Bad Advice. And, and, and we're gonna talk about some very Common pieces of advice that are actually pretty bad, but widely accepted in our society. And, and, and the first piece of bad advice that we're going to tackle in this series is follow your heart. Have you ever heard that? Just follow your heart. On the surface, it sounds so good, right? It sounds so accurate. Yes, follow your heart. Do what you want to do, do what you love to do, do what you think is best. And, and, and there's a sense in which we think, yeah, that's great advice. And you come to a crossroads when you're navigating a relationship, when you're dealing with something at work, when you're contemplating um, a, a major decision. Hey, just follow your heart. And it, it seems like great advice. Actually, so much so I found an article by Dr. Nikki Martinez in the Huffington Post who wrote, an article entitled, 10 Reasons to Follow Your Heart. And she gives some of these reasons. She says, first of all, when you follow your heart, you cease having regrets. She says, you get to know who you really are. You ensure that you are on the right path. You learn to trust your intuition. You listen to your heart because it knows your true desires. Now, with all respect to Dr. Martinez, I have to, have to tell all of you that I have experienced the exact opposite. There have been times in my life when I've followed my heart and it brought tremendous regret. There are times we follow our hearts and it does reveal who we really are and what we see looking back at us in the mirror is not very pretty. There are times we follow our hearts and we discover quickly that we're not on the right path but we're on the wrong path. We follow our hearts and we learn not to trust our intuition but that sometimes our intuition leads us down a place that we would rather not go. You see, culturally, we are told repeatedly to follow your heart. We we have in the United States a very individualistic society. We are focused largely on self. We, we have this culture where as long as you're doing what you want to do and the way you want to do it, no one else should be able to speak into that. And as long as you're following your heart and doing what you want to do, then all is well. But the problem with this advice is that it assumes our hearts are trustworthy and follow worthy. Our society is making a huge leap of faith that we can trust our hearts, that we can follow our hearts, that all of our intuitions and our feelings are guiding us the majority of the time toward that which is good and fulfilling. And that is a massive problem with this advice. It assumes that our hearts are Good that they're trustworthy and that they're follow worthy, and so with that assumption, many people want to follow their feelings. Say, you know, I don't feel like working here anymore. I feel like buying what I want to buy. Yes, I do deserve that. <laughs> I want to do what I feel like doing. I want to say what I feel like saying, and many people do. In fact, I have to tell you, I don't know if it's coming through this pandemic or what, I, I've, I've never seen a time in my life when more people feel more freedom to say whatever they wanna say than right now. And I would say to some of you who just wanna say whatever it is you wanna say, the way you wanna say it, you ought not say some of that stuff that you wanna say. And you look at social media and you look at the culture where we are in terms of dialogue and debate, I mean, it's, it's a little bit off the rails. But, but we're just following our hearts. We say what we want to say. We do what we want to do. We do it when we want to do it because, as Dr. Martinez and many others would espouse, our hearts are trustworthy and follow-worthy. But, but here's the thing. God's word gives us an entirely different perspective on the heart. <laughs> Let me show you what Jeremiah 17, 9 says. This is foundational for us as we think about this piece of advice. Here's what Jeremiah says. The heart, are you ready for this? The heart is more deceitful than anything else. Your heart, my heart is more deceitful than anything else and it's incurable so that no one can truly understand it. This is radically opposite of what our society is telling us. God's word tells us that our hearts are deceitful more than anything else. Our feelings that flow from our hearts more deceitful than anything else. And it tells us that our hearts are incurable. We are incapable of taming these desires and these feelings, it's incurable. And so none of us can truly understand at times the deception that flows through our hearts. And, and so if we're prone to follow our hearts, that necessarily guarantees that there will be times we follow our hearts into folly. We will do things that we should not do, say things we shouldn't say. We will act in a way that we should not act. We we will we will respond to the impulses of our hearts and, and that will often bring us to a place where we don't have joy and peace and fulfillment. And so often we think if I could just get what I want, the way I want it, when I want it, if I could just say what I wanna say, when I wanna say it, how I wanna say it, then, then I'll be happy. And we, we quickly discover that when you follow your heart, you don't cease having regrets. When you follow your heart, there's no guarantee that you're on the right path. It often puts you on the wrong path. When you follow your heart, you know what? You can't trust that intuition because there are times that we make huge mistakes. And, and, And so we have to approach this much differently because Jeremiah 17 reminds us our hearts are sick. They are incurable and more deceitful than anything else. And so let me give you a piece of advice that would actually come from the wisdom of God's word and not from the wisdom of the world, all right? And here's a simple truth about the heart that is life-changing, all right? Simply this, the heart follows what it's fed. The heart follows what it's fed. We're told, just follow your heart. No, actually, (laughs) <laughs> no. We need to feed our hearts. The heart follows what it's fed. And and in the heart, we need to see it, like it's like a storage container that, that maintains, that keeps, that retains what is put into it. And if we're constantly putting into it the wrong stuff, then what we will get out of it is the wrong stuff. And so when we are told to follow our hearts, given the fact that our heart is already deceitful and sick, and we constantly put into it, especially in our culture, those things that are selfishly oriented, those things that ultimately fulfill and satisfy ourselves, given the individualistic nature of our society, then what happens is we feed our hearts what we think is best for ourselves, and it becomes a perpetual cycle of dysfunction. And and instead, what we need to be focused on is not following our hearts, but feeding our hearts that which is good and healthy and wholesome and fulfilling. And this is why the wisest man that the world has ever known, with the exception of Jesus, by the way, if you're new to church, whenever there's a question asked by the pastor, the answer is almost always Jesus. Okay, so I'm talking about the wisest man who ever lived. The answer is? It's Jesus. Okay, so let's go to the next wisest person who did not have, you know, divine status. All right, that's who I'm talking about. His name was Solomon. And Solomon was the wisest man who ever lived. He asked God for a special dispensation of wisdom. He could have asked God for anything in the entire world. He didn't ask God for riches. He didn't ask God for power. He asked God for wisdom and God gave him incredible wisdom. And with that wisdom, Solomon wrote what you and I know as the Proverbs. It's a collection of teachings that were aimed at Solomon's sons. He's writing as a father. And you know, early in the Proverbs in chapter four, actually, if you have a copy of God's word, I'd love for you to turn there with me or I'll have these on the screen here. In Proverbs chapter four, early in this digest of wisdom, Solomon is is talking to his sons, about the importance of guess what? Guarding your hearts. And I just want you to see that the wisest man who ever lived did not tell his sons to follow their hearts. He didn't tell his sons to indulge their hearts. No, you know what he tells his sons? We're gonna see it here. Tells his sons to guard their hearts. Why? Because our hearts follow what? they're fed. And if we're constantly feeding the wrong things to our hearts, then we will constantly get the wrong results. And so Solomon, we're going to see here of all the things he could have said to his kids. And he says much here, but, but he says at the beginning, you need to guard your hearts. Let me show it to you. Proverbs 4, beginning in verse 20, check this out. He says, my son pay attention to my words and listen closely to my sayings. Do not lose sight of them and keep them within your heart for they are life to those who find them and health to one's whole body. And here here it is. So guard your heart above all else for it is the source of life. That is a massive statement. Parents, our kids need to hear this. This is a massive statement. Solomon saying, guard your heart, sons, guard your heart, children, above all else, because it is the source of life. He goes on, he says, don't let your mouth speak dishonestly. Don't let your lips talk deviously. Let your eyes look forward. Fix your gaze straight ahead. Carefully consider the path for your feet and all of your ways will be established. And don't turn to the right or the left. And keep your feet away from evil. Where does it begin? Guarding the heart. Guarding the heart. Why? Why does Solomon set it up this way? Because he understood that our hearts follow what they're fed. And we can say all day, we we want to follow our hearts. We want to do what we want to do, but we, we need to understand no no, 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 we need to feed our hearts that which is good and healthy and holy. And in feeding our hearts what is right, what is true, what is helpful, what is holy, that will put us in a position to live out that which is life-giving and fulfilling. And so a few takeaways here, I think, from not just Solomon's wisdom, but from some other places in God's word related to the fact that our hearts follow what they're fed and, and so we shouldn't follow our hearts but feed them the right things. Check this out. When we, when we do that, here's what happens. We, we guard what comes in and that leads to less concern about what comes out. When you guard what comes in, you'll have less concern about what comes out because what goes into your heart comes out of your life. That's why Solomon says, sons, guard your hearts. Above all else, guard your hearts. Jesus also taught us about this, Matthew 12 and Matthew 15. Check this out. Jesus says, how can you speak good things when you're evil? For the mouth speaks from the overflow of the heart. What comes in to the heart comes out Of the mouth. Matthew 15. But what comes out of the mouth comes from the heart, and this is what ultimately defiles a person. For from the heart come evil thoughts, murders, adultery, sexual immorality, thefts, false testimonies, and slander. Other than that, the heart seems totally worth following. Wouldn't you agree? And so Jesus is helping us to understand the same thing that Solomon helped us to understand because it's all God's wisdom. We have to guard our hearts because guarding what comes in will bring us to a place we have less concern about what is coming out. This is uh, like, like, like guards posted in front of a castle or something, you know, guarding what comes in. Listen to me very, very carefully. We have to be discerning about what we allow to come into our hearts. And I'm not a person, if you know me, that's like, okay, you shouldn't have a cell phone or a television or read the news or whatever. I'm just, I, I don't, I'm, not, I'm not saying we should all live in a, in a bubble to where, you know, we're, we're just closed off from the rest of the world. Because guess what? If we all lived in that bubble, that bubble would still have sin and shame and a whole lot of messed up people in it. We're not told as Christ followers to be outside the world. We are told to be in the world, but not of the world. And so in order to maintain that balance, I'm telling you what Solomon said is so true. We have to guard. We have to be like sentries posted at the door and be very, very careful about what comes in. And I think most of us are not very discerning about what comes in. it's like you know my wife and I years ago we got and I have to confess this I might have to turn in my man card here we, we got hooked on HGTV do you remember when that was a thing maybe it's still a thing I don't know I had to get unhooked from it I had to go to a support group you know I mean but like there's a time remember like all these shows came out I mean we I was like blown away I'm not, I'm not even that much of a handyman but I'm watching these shows and I'm seeing these people, uh, you know, the, like the, my one, the, 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 my favorite one at the time was the one with like, you got two 20 year olds getting married and they're looking for a $4 million apartment. You know what I'm saying? And these poor people and how do they do it? And I'm like, man, yeah, my life is miserable. I am a loser, right? And, and then, you know, the uh, of course, fixer upper, remember? And I just remember, I mean, shiplap was the answer to everything, right? <laughs> I don't know if it still is, but it was at the time, right? You look into my house, I'm like, my house is ugly <laughs> and I need some shiplap. In, uh- and my wife's like, yeah, we need some. I'm like, I don't even know how to install it. Like, where's Chip? Let me call up Chip and see if he can swing by my house. And, you know, and then like, and so we're looking, like, we were watching all this, you know, for a while. And I'm, I mean, so my whole mind is consumed with, like, what can I do with my house? And then you find these shows where like, I don't I can't remember the titles anymore. Again, I had to go through this rehab. But um, it's like, you know, like people find these things. And I, I you know, these, these, it's just amazing. Like, here, I was walking down the street and I found this old box and I turned it into a dining room table. And I'm like, yeah, I need to do that. And so I'm, I'm like looking for stuff all the time that I can turn it. And you know, and, it, and it's just like for a season, it's like, oh man, I'm constantly thinking about what can I take and turn into something that's gonna turn into a television show. And, and like that, that's just on your mind all the time. Like we got a season, we watched Shark Tank. You ever watch Shark Tank? Now every idea I have is a million dollar idea. <laughs> Anybody else have those ideas? You've watched that for a while. You're like, yes. You know, can I tell you one of my million dollar ideas? pear juice. Think about it. You go to the store, you buy a can of pears. The pears are good, but that, that holy nectar from the Lord that's in there, you know that, the juice that you get with it? Oh, I always said, you go to the store, you get apple juice, you get, you ever notice that cranberries are infecting every other juice now? You get cranberry apple and cran grape and, cran, and the, there's no pear juice. And I thought, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to talk to Mark Cuban one day about pear juice. And then my wife's like, hey, look at the can. It's like high fructose corn syrup. Well, no wonder it's so good. <laughs> Why don't we have pear juice? I'd love to have some pear juice around the office, you know. And so you start thinking that way, right? You, um, some of you, ladies, ladies, hello, ladies, ladies. The bachelor. The Bachelor's the one with one guy and the, is that right? the bachelorette guys nobody's admitting to that I don't even never even heard of that show (laughs) right listen if you're here and you're single and you think the key to finding the right man or the right woman is to get with 20 complete strangers shack up with one of them every single night and then just whichever one you like the best that's the one for you I'm here to tell you that ain't how life works And I don't know what the track record is on The Bachelor or The Bachelorette. I'm just gonna go out on a limb and say, most of those do not survive. I don't know, maybe they do. I don't think they do. Solomon didn't say anything about that in the Proverbs. Um, my, my, my point is, again, I'm not, I'm not anti-TV or anti-social um, you know, media. All that. I, I, I'm just saying, isn't it amazing? Like, if you go through a season of your life where you're constantly ingesting, 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 and you're feeding your heart, what is available to the world. I'm saying if that, if that is a pattern in your life and that's what you're feeding your heart, then at some point you're gonna follow what you're fed. Right. And it could have really disappointing results. And the wisdom of Solomon and the wisdom of Jesus is stop following your heart and start guarding your heart by feeding it that which is ultimately good, holy, and healthy. Let me say a brief word about social media. I've said this before, but it's worth repeating. If you're just constantly ingesting to your heart the beauty and the um, majestic nature and the carefree nature and the successful nature of everyone else's existence, it will lead to great discontentment in your own. Because there's so many times I'm, I'm scrolling through social media, I'm like, man, this person's at the beach like every other week. What is wrong with my life? Why aren't I at the beach? And you look at their kids and and um, I'm, I'm just saying, you know, like, the, okay, everybody opposed to family picture for Easter and that's great. You kind of get to see how, how everybody's kids are growing up. But I'm just saying, if there's, a, if there's like a holistic, constant, you can't break the cycle of addiction, you got to constantly be scrolling and seeing and uh, there's a danger there. I just want you to see biblical wisdom here. I don't want you to crawl into a, a bubble and, and cut yourself off from the world. That's not, that's not what God tells us to do. But, but repeatedly throughout human history, this is God's counsel to us. We need to guard what's coming in. Guard is what Solomon said. Guard your hearts above all else. Because he says, guarding your heart is a source of life. And so you you better guard it. You better guard what comes in because you will follow what your heart is fed. That's a really, really important word. And so we guard our hearts. When we guard our hearts, here's what happens. We guard what comes in and we will have less concern about what comes out. That's the discipline of a godly person guarding what comes in. Let me give you one more scripture here. Psalm 119, 10 and 11. This is, this is a great word. Check this out. I have sought you, God, with all of my heart. And so don't let me wander from your commands. I have treasured your word in my heart that I might not sin against you. I'm guarding my heart, seeking you and putting into my heart what needs to be there that is ultimately healthy and holy that I may not live a life contrary to God's design. And so we, 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 we feed our hearts what is healthy and holy because our heart follows what it's fed. When we guard what comes in, we can have less concern about what's coming out. Secondly, just check this out. Uh, another aspect of this, we, we need to be sure that our emotional reactions fall in line with our spiritual convictions. This is the importance of feeding the word of God to your heart on a regular basis. And you come to a worship gathering like this and you, you gather around the word of God and you go to your life group and you gather around the word of God and you get your verse of the day in your email and you set your heart in front of the word of God and you read through your devotional schedule and you put your heart in front of the word of God. And if you're just looking at an individual day, you might not think that makes a big difference. But when you look at the course in the direction of your life, it makes a massive one. Because when you're regularly putting God's word into your heart, it brings you a convictional foundation that will sustain you in the trials and the turmoil of this life. These convictions are an anchor for your soul that will steady you when the storms come. Because here's what happens. All all, all these people in our culture tell us to follow our hearts. They... They, they fail to understand, of course, that our heart is not trustworthy, but secondly, that our, that our emotions are often leading us away from that which is good and best. The way we feel at times does not accurately reflect where we are and who we are. And feelings are neither good or bad. Feelings do not have a moral attachment to them. Sometimes we feel certain ways. Honestly, sometimes it's because we're tired. Sometimes it's because we're weary. Sometimes it's because we've experienced something that brings a certain type of emotion to it, like the death of a loved one or the loss of a job, or we experience the euphoria of the birth of a child or of uh, some incredible life event. We, We feel things and we're made to feel things. That's why Jesus tells us in our worship that we worship God with both spirit and truth. And the spirit there, is, 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 is that emotional connection with God. It's not the Holy Spirit, although that's true that we worship through the power of the Holy Spirit, but Jesus is saying true worshipers of God worship not only in truth, but with their whole heart. That's why, what's the greatest commandment of all? You shall love the Lord your God with all of your heart. That's an emotional, relational connection. You are made to feel. And so feelings don't have some moral attachment to them, but I'll tell you what can happen. Feelings can lead us away from that which is true and right. There are times we feel things in moments of loss or grief or anger or frustration. And, and if we act out in those moments, we will often do and say things that we regret. And, and for so many years, I feel like Christ followers have been told, maybe this is true for you, that you know what? If you really know God and you love God, you know, you would never be angry with God and you never doubt God and you would never question God. Oh, really? Because when I read the scriptures, I look back on the record of human history, you know what I find? Some of the greatest saints, some of the greatest followers of God, angry with God. Doubting God hurting, struggling. Can I give you one great example of this? King David, y'all ever heard of him? He was kind of a guy who followed God. In fact, it was said of David and no one else that he was a man who followed after the heart of God unlike any other. His son Solomon had wisdom like no other. You know what David had? David had a heart to follow God like no other man that ever lived. And we're seeing here that the heart follows what it's fed. So we have to guard what comes in so that what comes out is good and holy and healthy. And and what we're seeing here, listen, is that, that we have to have spiritual convictions that anchor our emotional reactions. Let me show you an example of this in David's life, Psalm 42. Here's what David said. As a deer longs for flowing streams, so I long for you, my God. I thirst for God, the living God. When can I come and appear before God? And we usually just stop right there. Don't, didn't we have a little song about that? As the deer something for the water, so there's something for like It was a really good song back in the 80s. You know know why we cut off that song right there? Right here. My tears have been my food day and night, while all day long people say to me, where is your God? That doesn't have the same ring to it, does it? My tears have been my food day and night while all people say to me, where is your God? Yes. Hallelujah. Right? We love as the deer. Okay. (laughs) And then David's like, you know, my heart's longing for God. because I am absolutely assaulted by my circumstances and the people around me. And my tears have been my food night and day. And he says, I remember this as I pour out my heart, how I walk with many leading the festive procession of the house of God with joyful and thankful shouts. And so I'm reflecting on these things and David's hurting, David's weeping. David in Psalm 22 said to God, why have you forsaken me? And then let me show you how he concludes Psalm 42 here. Check this out. I will say to my God. So he goes through, if you read Psalm 42, it's like a painful confession of David's emotion. He's hurting, he's struggling, he's upset, he's beaten up. And so he says "Is I will say to God, my rock, why have you forgotten me? Nobody's turning that into a hymn. Oh God, we praise you, we praise you. Why have you forgotten us? Why have you forgotten us? This is a man who by God's own testimony said, I have found in David, son of Jesse, a man after my own heart. And David said to God, why have you forgotten me? Have you ever felt that way? Why must I go about in sorrow because of the enemy's oppression? God, why am I hurting? Why am I eating and drinking my tears night and day? Why have you forgotten me? My adversary, check this out, taunt me as if crushing my bones while all day long they say to me, where is your God? David is dejected, he's frustrated, he's hurting, he's weary, he's he's being crushed and, and he's calling out to God, why have you forgotten me? All of my enemies are taunting me. Yeah, where's your God now, David? Where's your God now, David? And what does David do? Woo! What does he do? Listen, he speaks truth to his heart. He doesn't follow his feelings. He doesn't react to his feelings. He doesn't languish in his feelings but his feelings are misleading him. What does David do? Check this out. He says, why my soul are you so dejected? Why are you in such turmoil? Put your hope in God because I will still praise him my savior and my God. That's what David said. What is he doing? He's not allowing his emotional reactions to trump his spiritual convictions. And if you've ever found yourself in a place or you find yourself in that place today where you're like, man, I'm hurting, I'm weary, I'm tired, I'm upset, I feel like God's forgotten me. Hey, join a pretty elite club. It's okay to feel like that at times. It's okay to feel like, God, where are you? It's okay to wonder what's happening and why it's happening. It's okay to have questions for which we won't have the answers until we see Jesus face to face. That's okay. But don't let your feelings lead you away from what is true. And if you just always follow your heart and you follow this bad advice of our society, you will often follow your feelings. And your feelings at times, listen to me, are at war with your convictions. Now, I ask you today, what's the foundation for your soul? It is your convictions. That's why in all of these psalms that I just love, David is repeatedly honest before the Lord about how he feels, but anchored in his convictions about what is true. True. And that's why he comes back every time and he says, I'm going to put my hope in God. You see, your heart follows what it's fed. And when you guard what comes in, you'll have less concern about what comes out. And when you don't follow your emotional reactions, but you anchor your life to your spiritual convictions, it will sustain you in every season. And then finally, then let me just say in terms of a summary here, listen, so stop following how your heart feels and start feeding your heart what it needs. That's good advice. (laughs) That's good advice. Yes, yes, we celebrate that today. Don't follow your heart, feed your heart what is good, feed it what's right, feed it what's holy, and it will draw you closer to God. To worship, to community, to praise, to time in the word, to prayer, and, and that'll sustain you, I promise you. Doesn't make every circumstance easy. Doesn't mean your feelings won't fight your faith at times. They will. But when you tether your heart by feeding it what it needs and not following how it feels, you will have a foundation by which to navigate every season in life. And you will experience true fulfillment. You will. And if you're here today and you've never asked Jesus to save you, you've never come to God for his glorious salvation, for this hope that King David had in trials. Listen, last thing I wanna say today, I just want you to understand this. The key for all of us is not to somehow just on our own to try to fix our hearts because what, what does Jeremiah say? They're actually incurable. And this is the beauty of what God has done for us. By the way, this is why we celebrate today because God through his incredible grace gives us a new heart. And that's what we need. Last week, we had an incredible week of celebration at Easter and I, I spoke out of Ezekiel 37 on the Valley of Dry Bones. Can I, can I take you back? That's just the last scripture for today on Ezekiel 36. You know what God said he would do for Israel right before that kind of picture of what he was gonna do? Ezekiel 36, check this out. God says to his people, I will give you a new heart, a new heart. And I will put a new spirit within you and I will take out your heart of stone and I will give you a heart of flesh and I will place my spirit within you and cause you to follow my statutes and carefully observe my ordinances. If you're here today and you don't have a relationship with God through Jesus, you've never asked him to forgive you, to restore you, to heal you, then you're still trying to come at it with a heart that's not disposed to follow. And I'm telling you today, the starting point is not to just try to get to the the right actions. No, the starting point is to have a new heart. And you can have that today. Many years ago, I, I prayed and asked God to come into my life to forgive me of my sin and, and to make me new, and He did that. There are many of us in this room today, many of us watching online today, we've had that glorious experience of salvation. If that's what you need today, we want to give you an opportunity to respond to that. If you're here as a Christ follower and um, maybe you're just tired, maybe you're just broken, maybe you're just frustrated, just a reminder today hey, stop following your heart and start feeding it what it needs.